I've been wanging mannequins out of my window for some time. I've got this. Hi, welcome to What A Way To Go, a podcast about unusual deaths, near misses and bizarre stories with your hosts, Claire Daly, Ellen the Gamer and Sarah Austin. We're now on episode nine. nine. Yeah. Nine. Mad. And we are very excited to have listeners at all. And so thanks very much. <laughs> Aside from ourselves. Like we really like doing this. Like it's really, really fun to sit in the studio and like fart around and talk to each other. But to actually know that some people are listening and enjoying it. We're loving it. Mm. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for taking an interest. Yeah. Anyone had any uh, fingers in their eyes today or? Uh, well, I put my contacts. Your own fingers in your eye. That's, my own fingers in my eye. I think eye. that's allowed. Yeah. Mm. Nothing else has come at me, though. That's not a violation, really, is it? <laughs> Nothing else has <laughs> come at me. Come at me? <laughs> Maybe later, else. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Hi, listeners. Hi. Um, yeah. So this will be coming out on a week where we are all on holiday together. Is that going to be when it's happening? No. No. It's no. the week we're back. <coughs> yeah. on holiday. Yeah, the week we're all feeling really shit Sorry about the fact that we've Holiday been, blues. Yeah. yeah. Um, where we're going to Primavera together to mm. watch the music and to drink some gin in the sun in Barcelona. Yeah, it's going to mm. be lush. Um, we've got to find out how to say what a way to go in Espanol. Yep. If because. anyone knows... Let us know, yeah, let us know. Do we have any Spanish listeners? No, I don't think we do, actually. We will do soon. Oh, yeah. Get Jose to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, who? <laughs> okay, Jose. He'll right, be able right. to tell us how to say what a way to go in Spanish. Why definitely. Not? He'll definitely be able to do that. Brilliant. Um, all right, fine. So no fingers in eyes and some Spanish. So <laughs> why don't you kick us off, Squares? <laughs> fine. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we've mentioned it a few times before, or I think Elle's mentioned it in a funny way a couple of episodes ago. Sounds, <clears throat> Sounds like you, you're really funny. Um, <laughs> all the no, lights just went out fuck. outside. Oops. Um, but we're not exactly experts on American history. I think we can all say that. Mm. Uh, I know who the current president is, unfortunately. Sadly. Uh, and I know a couple of the guys before him. Yeah. All guys, obviously. Uh, but when we think about past presidents and deaths, we think of assassinations, right? <laughs> Daily's leaning forward on her hand. Listeners, if you can imagine me forming a fist with my right hand and leaning my chin to rest on said fist really heavily towards Sarah, I'm I'm listening. I'm keen. That's exactly I want to know what she's what's doing. Happening. Guys, speaking of uh, American presidents. Quite a nice pop-up on my phone. Trump's warning to King Jong-un, make a deal on nuclear weapons or suffer the same fate as Gaddafi. So, Oh, my God. Sounds like that's making progress, so that's good to know. It's all chill. The good thing is it's all super chill. Yeah. I mean, I trust them all. You can say what you like about King Jong-un, but he doesn't dress as well as Gaddafi, does he? So <laughs> he did have some looks. Sure. That Lincoln. motherfucker had some looks. Was he it 80s was, Gaddafi? Yeah, 80s, 80s Gaddafi. Gaddafi. If you'd like a printed shirt, check out <laughs> 80s Gaddafi, because he really knew how to work one. If you'd like a silk Several. all-in-one outfit, he was your man. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> American president. I digress. Today, I'm going to tell you about the unusual death of Zachary Taylor, who was the 12th president of the United States. Oh. 
Never heard of him. Didn't know that either. So he served from March 1849 until his death in July 1850. So didn't even complete his first Mm, term. That's not long. He died quickly. Uh, So a bit of background on Zach. He was born November 24th, 1784, on a plantation in Orange County, Virginia. Uh, In June 1810, he married Margaret Mackle Smith, and they had six children. There's a lot of children. Hang on, Mackle? Do you think that has then evolved into Markle? No. Oh. (laughs) Close. Yeah. I don't know the etymology. (laughs) You can really tell you're excited for the royal wedding, (laughs) which would have already happened. I'm just saying, topical. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. that. It was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. She looked great. We loved her. Family to plantation owners. Didn't she look beautiful? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. No, scrap that. <laughs> this, is, this is murky water to be wading. Murky water. <laughs> hey. Um, on May the third, eighteen o eight, Taylor joined the U.S. Army, receiving a commission as a first lieutenant of the Seventh Infantry Regiment. He did a load of army stuff. Not going to go into the details too much because it's pretty, pretty long. But he fought in the War of eighteen twelve. Uh, which was against the British Empire and its Indian allies. So he represented the Americans. Uh, In April 1819, he was promoted to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel and dined with President James Monroe and General Andrew Jackson, so rubbing shoulders with the Washington, D.C. elite. Uh, And then in late 1826, he was called to Washington, D.C. for work on an army committee to consolidate and improve military organisation. After that, he did a bit more war stuff, army stuff. General uh, war stuff. He fought in the Black Hawk War of 1828. I'm not going to go into it. Uh, the Second <laughs> Seminole War of 1837. Again, not going into that. And I'm not going to go into the Mexican-American War that he fought in as well. But it was after the Mexican-American War that he got interested in politics. He had not really professed any interest in it before. Um, and he was corresponding quite a lot with the then-president, William Henry Harrison. Again, didn't know he was president. Because I'm not that good on. Well, yeah, you I only mean, really I've... know the big names before, like yeah. the eight. Well, no, maybe like... you know the main. You know ones. the ones. You know, yeah. like you know JFK because he got shot in the head. You Lincoln, know Abraham Washington. Yeah, <laughs> Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ones on the mountain. Matt, ones on Rushmore. You know. Okay. Uh, Roosevelt. Franklin. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Just shouting names. Yeah. That's his whole name. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, not you. Maybe. <laughs> I'm right. I was like, that's what FDR says. Stop saying names. Um, but yeah, so in his capacity as a career officer, Taylor had never publicly revealed his political beliefs up until that point, nor had he even voted before that time. No interest in just, oh, I'll just be president. Fine. He was a rich white guy. Oh, sorry. Person. Wait. That's literally what's happened now. <laughs> you can do whatever you want if you're a red white man. Yes. Um, and don't argue otherwise because you know it's fucking true, listeners. Don't come at me if you don't, don't think me. that's the... F- <laughs> don't at me, fam. <laughs> Jesus. We're not saying we advocate it, though, you know. Oh, no. No, no, no. no, no. That was the point. It's true. It's objective. It's true. It's fact. Look at the fucking world. Would you just for one <laughs> for one second? Would you look at the world? Open your eyes. <laughs> sorry, squares. We're really, we're really derailing your. You talked about a politician. What I'm sorry. Yeah, I really should have known this. Should have known this, didn't I? Um, yeah. So he'd never he'd never voted before. He'd never publicly revealed his political beliefs. He was quite a cagey guy. Didn't really talk about a lot. 
Um, but knew that he wanted to become president, knew that he wanted to um, run in the next election. So he ran for president in 1848, subsequently won. He had a... What party? So... Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, he was a Republican, but I think, again... That was <laughs> like when before, they were okay. <laughs> that was when they were okay, but he wasn't a particularly progressive guy in general. He wanted to abolish the slave trade but only because cotton wasn't a big enough industry to keep putting money into. Oh, so not because of human rights or, you know, anything like that. Right. He uh, didn't want to waste the money, Right. basically. Okay. Not so, the best reason. No. He became president in 1949, and yeah, so as I just say, he was a bit of a different politician to what people were used to. No. So Eight, 1849. Oh, shit, 18. Sorry, mate, yeah. No, I was just like, shit, were we only on 12 by 1949? <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I do that literally all the time. I said that a guy lived for 200 <laughs> years the other week. Yeah, you did, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he became president in 1849, but he was a bit of a different politician to what people were used to. Um, and this was actually, in hindsight, because he was quite inexperienced. He was, you know, quite high up in the army, but didn't have a lot of political knowledge or a lot of political experience. He specifically didn't want any Democrats in his party, in his cabinet, sorry, so... He wanted his cabinet to reflect the nation's diverse interests, so apportioned the seats geographically. Probably one of the only interesting things about him. Um, really selling him. Really selling him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's other things. But then on July 4th, Independence Day, uh, 1850, Taylor was attending holiday celebrations during a fundraising event at the Washington Monument, which was being built at the time. Whilst at the party, as we all do when we're having a really good time, he reportedly consumed copious amounts of raw fruit and iced milk. What? The ultimate combination. Yeah, really Brilliant. big, big party. Um, <laughs> we've had, we've all had <laughs> a big night on the iced milk. Let's be honest. I do love an iced coffee, though. Christ. God, I love iced coffee. Can't have a big night on it, though. I'd be jittery as fuck. <laughs> Maybe that's, maybe that's a bonus if you're the president. Maybe it is. Maybe it needs it, yeah. So, yeah, several sources said that Taylor gulped down a large quantity of cherries and iced milk <laughs> and then returned to the White House where he quenched his thirst with several glasses of water. <laughs> he really knows how to have a good time. <laughs> Daily can't stop laughing. <laughs> He's really going to town on the fruit buffet. Just like wolfing it down, <laughs> yeah. not talking to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> really concentrating. It's like Zach, it. there's sandwiches <laughs> over there. There's sandwiches and beer over there. Get on that. No, 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 I just took the cherries. Cherries and milk. <laughs> That's so hard to eat, though. You couldn't do that with cherries because you've got to get the stones out. True, very true. You've got to pause. You can't wolf them down. Mm-mm. Unless they were de-stoned. <laughs> Might have been. He's like a Pac-Man. He's <laughs> President Pac-Man. That's a new game. Someone make that, please. Um, Sorry. Anyway. Also, raw fruit. I mean, fruit's raw by definition, isn't it? Unless you put it in a pie, you know, even then. Cherries are raw. What are you up to? Isn't it? You get a cherry from a tree and it's raw. Yeah, that's raw. Yeah. Raw is a weird word to apply to fruit. Yeah, just you just ate a shitload of fruit. Icy fruit. Was it icy fruit? Icy milk. Icy milk. Icy milk, raw fruit, which is just fruit. Yeah, fruit. So he ate some cherries and he drank some cold milk. Unless it's a cooking apple. 
don't oh. that roll. You can eat it though. You don't you get can sick eat it, from a cooking apple. Don't pop it in a stew. Not a stew. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you fucking sycophant. What are you up to? Pop it in a crumble. <laughs> pop it in a lovely, lovely crumble. Yeah, we all do, mate. Anyway, anyway, he did that and then drank loads of water. And then over the course of the next couple of days, he became severely ill with an unknown digestive ailment. His troubles began with nausea and soon turned into severe bouts of diarrhoea and vomiting. Poor love. Um, And by the following morning, he developed a fever. Four doctors descended on the bedridden man, each offering various cures in rapid succession. He was force-fed calomel. Calomel. Chamomile. No, not chamomile. Calomel. A mercury chloride solution oh, meant to induce regurgitation. Oh, wait, but he was already being sick. Why does he need to regurgitate that? God. I don't know. Not a very good doctor. Quinning, <laughs> uh, a fever reducer. Quinning's in, like, um, tonic water, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's meant to be good for... That's why the gin and tonic... We got Aosia. asked that question. That's why they had it in... Uh... Originated in India, right? The gin and tonic, like the sort of British oh, right. Raj, because quinine keeps the mosquitoes away. It, or malaria. It's or malaria. Or, yeah. yeah, it's like it's a, a natural. It makes it, yeah <clears throat> mosquito repellent. I don't. Uh, I don't know if it's a mosquito repellent or whether it um, has some properties that kind of stop malaria developing. But there's definitely what I do know is <laughs> definitely a link between. Gin and tonic and stopping getting malaria. Don't ever, Do yeah, you. don't take your deet with you guys. Just get absolutely shit-faced on gin and tonic mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. Maybe that's why I've not got malaria, because I'm 90% gin and tonics. That's not really... Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> take deet. Yet again, people are, not, people are not tuning into the podcast for medical advice. We're not if knowledgeable. <laughs> Come on. Have you met us? Christ. No. Anyway. Some people won't. <laughs> quinning and then opium. Oh. Lovely. Why not? A, Here we go, lads. Really big. <laughs> Tell us opium. <laughs> um, none of which alleviated his ailments. Um, the One of the doctors diagnosed the illness as cholera morbus, a flexible mid-19th century term for intestinal ailments as diverse as diarrhoea and dysentery, but not related to the Asiatic cholera. I'll talk about cholera a bit more in a minute. I'm sure you're excited about Please that. Please do. Mm. Um, and then, the time of cholera. Mm. Not mm. read it. Loving the time of cholera. Mm. Go on. <laughs> Just five... Five days later, just 17 months into his presidency, the six to five-year-old uttered his last words, which were, I regret nothing, but I am sorry I'm about to leave my friends. Oh, oh no. God. And passed away. <laughs> there was also another quote that was not nearly as nice as that. I just didn't put it in. I you say, to... fuck you all, like yeah. we end this podcast mm. by quite a lot. Like, yeah, well, that's, yeah, no, he didn't. No, I don't think he swore. He ate milk and... He ate milk? He... <laughs> ate cherries and drank milk for fun. Like, I don't think he had much of a personality. Um, just just a, as a heads up, at the end of the story, I'm going to ask you both what you would want your last words to be. Okay. Oh, God. So, Christ. I can't think about that whilst I'm telling a story. Well, you're going to have to, so off you pop. 
Um, I've actually got the quote that I said that I didn't have, so here we go. Mm. I should not be surprised if this were to terminate in my death. I did not expect to encounter what has beset me since my elevation to the presidency. God knows I have endeavoured to fulfil what I conceive to be an honest duty, but I have been mistaken. My motives, my motives have been misconstrued, and my feelings most grossly, most grossly outraged. So that leads you to believe that he thinks there was a bit of foul play yeah. about what happened to him. But yeah, so he died at 10.35pm. Um, after his death, Vice President Fillmore assumed the presidency and completed Taylor's term, which ended on March 4th, 1853. Obviously he had to go up for the next election. Um, the identity and source of Taylor's illness are still subject to a lot of historical speculation, but it is known that several of his cabinet members had come down with a similar disease after him, um. but did not die. As I said, going back onto the cholera point, outbreaks of cholera, a deadly disease caused by bacteria, occurred frequently during the summer months in hot, humid Washington during the 1800s when sewage systems were primitive at best. It's a swamp, it's a literal swamp. Yeah. Yeah. The bacteria were most likely present in the water or the iced milk that Taylor had drunk on um, Independence Day. Other sources claim that Taylor died of gastroenteritis caused by the highly acidic cherries combined with the fresh milk. Oh. So still no one really knows, but almost immediately after his death, rumours began to circulate that he was poisoned by pro-slavery southerners. So as I mentioned, it wasn't that he was mm. anti-slavery, he just didn't want it to go further because he didn't didn't see the benefit oh, of it. Oh, it's fucked up, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, poisoned by pro-slavery southerners and similar theories persisted into the 21st century. In 1978, Hamilton Smith based his assassination theory on the timing of drugs, the lack of confirmed cholera outbreaks and other material. And then in the late 1980s, Clara Rising, a former professor at University of Florida, persuaded Taylor's closest living relative to agree to an exhumation so that his remains could be tested. What? I don't know why they were still talking about it this far afterwards a lot of people would have died of cholera back in those times or just like unsanitary conditions Uh, the remains were exhumed and transported to the office of the Kentucky Chief Medical Examiner on June 17th 1991 samples of hair fingernail and other tissues were removed and radiological studies were conducted neutron activation analysis conducted at Oak Ridge National Laboratory revealed no evidence of poisoning as arsenic levels were too low So a 2010 review concludes there is no definitive proof that Taylor was assassinated, nor would it appear that there is definitive proof that he was not. So, I mean, it's it's probably the cholera. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what it was. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's probably the cholera, isn't it? Um, But he's obviously not he's not been notably marked down as being assassinated. So it's it's very unlikely that it was. But Mm. yeah, just. Had a bit too many cherries and a, that milk was just a little bit too cold. So it just did him in. And he had about five minutes as president. Yeah. And there was like, there's a lot of information about him. He did, I mean, he had quite a big career in the army and then did quite a lot of courting of politicians. But um, a lot of people said that he was very inexperienced. He wasn't very politically minded, as in, he didn't know a lot. <clears throat> and that um, his presidency although it was quite short just had nothing of note to say about it which is I mean yeah mean um and actually he came to presidency in quite a quiet time in US politics anyway 
I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on in the South, and it was before the Civil War anyway, but, yeah, so... Well, how, how long was it, sorry, his presidency? Like... 17 months? 17 months, yeah. yeah. Right, OK. Not, not long at all. Not long. Mm. Anyway, there you go. Zachary nice. Taylor. Zachary oh, Taylor. Zachary Taylor. Twelfth president. Down them cherries. Too many cherries. Just yeah, take it easy this summer, everyone. Yeah, just those like cherries. everyone loves cherries and they're very Moorish. Just mm. chill, chewy boots, just for a bit. Just don't drink milk with them. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who's drinking milk and cherries? Anyway? It's not a natural combination for me. Who's drinking straight up? Oh, no, no adult is drinking. You drink. I used no, not I'm a vegan. I, oh, yeah, sometimes yeah. Um, <laughs> flexible vegan. <laughs> I used to love a glass of semi-skimmed milk. I really did. I loved them. Probably until like I was like 22, 23, I could drink a glass of milk. My friend Nina, who does listen to this podcast, hi, hi Nina. Nina. Hi. She has you milk drinking fuck. No, <laughs> she has a weird thing about milk. Like she doesn't like yeah milk and I'm, the consistency. She. She just can't be around it. Doesn't drink a glass of milk. Doesn't really like it in cereal. She can have it in a bit of tea. She'll have a latte. It's got coffee in it. See, I hate hot milk. I don't, yeah. Hate, 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 hate. You can't taste that in a latte. It's nothing but hot milk. What it's are you talking about? It's very hot milky. No way. You're getting it from the wrong places, lads. Get an extra shot of coffee in there. No, I just have a black coffee uh, and yeah. stain your teeth. I want to bleach my teeth. Anyway. We can do that for you. You've got to ask us the question. Oh. You told us you're going to ask I guys, haven't so, got a good so answer. Your, your man had an incredible. Last, last sentence. Oh, you have to say so that again. you don't have to. Like, don't worry. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting pressure. so like pressure about. Um. So squares. What would you want your last words to be? I My mean, last words to be. Yeah, your last. Oh, words. For some reason, I thought you said, "What would you want?" <laughs> what did you think I meant? Um. What would you want on your gravestone? Oh, what that too. That's fine too. They can kind of be the same thing. So, your your man's last words that you just said in that story is what inspired me and then someone like it's it is a legend or it is said that Oscar Wilde's last words were either those curtains go or I do <laughs> which is fucking brilliant um I think mine would be if you don't mind I'll just go in first because I was thinking you written it down from, is it in your notes <laughs> no it's from people just do nothing and it's Steve's uh and he says a quote which I legitimately think is really beautiful but maybe wasn't intended in such a way um and steve's from people just do nothing says because you can spend your whole life thinking and you get to the end and your brain turns off and that's it so you might as well just chill out enjoy it a little bit (laughs) yeah i actually like that's how i live my life (laughs) (laughs) that's true actually that is a good you might as well just chill out enjoy it a little bit because your brain turns off yeah, true. So Basically, just out like a light. My last words would probably be one of two choices. Don't forget, and then I die. <laughs> or, if best, especially if I die in the presence of Steve, don't oh. forget to take out the bins. <laughs> <laughs> just to piss him off, because yeah. he always takes out the fucking bins. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll get well annoyed as I die. <laughs> don't forget to take out the bins, you useless prick. <laughs> Anyway. Elsie, you don't need to have one if you don't have one. I just don't have a good... I haven't got can, a good it one. can just be, go fuck yourself if you want. <laughs> Thanks for the laughter. Thanks for nothing. Mm. Thanks for nothing, pricks. <laughs> There's that very, 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 very good um, big train sketch wherein it's someone who is about to either be executed or be locked in a space shuttle for... 
for the rest of his life and he, like just as the door is closing or just as the trigger is being pulled he goes oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that kind of thing isn't it I'll tell you who killed me it was oh hang on oh, oh no, 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 no he's dead he's gone my, la- my last words are oh <laughs> <laughs> okay go? I guess oh god please please don't judge me if I tell this in a very ramshackle way I'm going to tell you about Franz Reich <laughs> I'm going to tell you about someone whose name I absolutely can't pronounce I've never learnt German R e i c h e l t, right? Can I? Wait, Reich. Reich? I can't see it. Rachel. Oh. No, no idea. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> Fuck off! I literally was. I wrote that down. I was gonna do it, and then I saw Damn. something else this week, and I did something else. So I was this close to coming in with the same story as you. Thank God! Oh, it nearly happened. It nearly happened. Nearly happened. You definitely would have told it better than I would have. Have you seen how big mine is? <laughs> mine is this week. Anyway, so the point is, we still don't know how to say his name. No. Sorry, it's disrespectful, but um, we don't. So I'm going to tell you about this man who was born, Franz Reichelt. I think it's Reichelt, because the third Reich is spelt like that. Yeah, and then okay, Reichelt. It out Franz Reichelt, okay, fine. But then you say it in a German accent, so then it sounds Franz, completely different. Franz Reichelt was born in 1879. He's Austrian, and he is a tailor. Hmm. So he's predominantly known as being a tailor. And he, he's done various things throughout his life. At one point, he moves from Austria to France. And this is the key. This is the key to the story. So he took an apartment on the third floor at 8 Rue Gallion, near the Avenue de l'Opera from 1907. So basically, he moves to France and sets up his dressmaking business because he's, he's quite an ambitious tailor. He's moving from Austria to France. He wants to make a big splash in Paris in the early 20th century. Good place to be. Yeah, too right. So he he mostly, as much as he is setting up his stall in Paris, he mostly caters to Austrians on trips to Paris. So he's very much <laughs> got his audience. Yeah, it's very niche. However, from July 1990, he begins to develop a parachute suit. This is not the parachute pants like MC Hammer has. Oh, OK. Uh, this is something which he is basically adapting for aviators. So he's getting interested in pilots, aviators. I, mean, I don't really know what the difference between pilots and aviators is, but I guess it's all... One where cool as fuck shades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah true. The aviators, yeah. <clears throat> so basically he's kind of become... He's got a little bit obsessed in parachute design. So his, his love of... He is a tailor, so his love of tailoring is kind of starting to cross over with his love of, like, aviation... And he seems to have become interested in parachute design after hearing stories of fatalities among early aeronauts and aviators. So, morbid, yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, So, his parachute suit that he developed was not much more bulky than one normally worn by an aviator. Again, I'm just going to think pilot shortly. Mm. Um, But with the addition of a few rods, a silk canopy, and a small amount of rubber that allowed it to fold out to become what Reichelt hoped would become a practical and efficient parachute. So basically he's like, these guys are cool. I'm going to make them a parachute suit that they can wear to jump out of planes. Is basically what it is. A suit. A suit. 
So do you know the, um, what do they call them? The things that people wear now, like proper, like extreme sports. Oh, and they're like people look like wings. Gliders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they look like flying foxes or whatever. And so you just, (laughs) no, but I think that's the point. I think, yeah. Like they kind of, they're in like this morph suit onesie thing, but then they've got sheets of material in between their arms and legs and it's kind of like a parachute suit. So this is like early 19th century version of that. So we're talking like 120 years ago. Rochelle became sort of obsessed with designing a suit that could be used for parachutists. Sorry, I did a big intake of breath, but not because I want to say something, just because I needed to breathe. (laughs) Please keep breathing, Alice. Well, well, if you don't, we'll find out what your last words are. So, um, and and then Rochelle seems to have become interested in parachute design. Again, after hearing the stories of fatalities, he was quietly obsessed, quietly obsessed. Um... Louis Sebastien Leonard in 1783 and balloonist Jean Pierre Blanchard had successfully used fixed canopy parachutes and had invented a frameless parachute. So basically, like he was, Amman was very interested in all the various different designs of parachute, whether it was something that was like deployed and pumped up or it was something that was already pre structured and like hanging over someone so that they could parachute down and it, was, it had like a wooden frame or whatever. So anyway, Reichert was like really, really interested in making a suit that you could wear that would turn into parachute. So in Reichert's early tests, basically what he did was he dressed dummies like mannequins um, in foldable silk wings and dropped them from the fifth floor of his apartment. Basically, <laughs> imagine walking down on the street yeah. below. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh right, good. He yeah. just lobbed them out. He was like, "Let's get these mannequins. Pop, pop my experimental suits on. Just lobbed them out, which I can only assume was chaos." He developed a prototype of a wearable suit. Well, he was attempting to develop a prototype of a wearable suit for this, but it wasn't really happening. He was hoping that they would touch down lightly, but they weren't really. So basically, on and on, he was, by the sounds of it, he was lobbing mannequins out of his fifth floor window. Um, it's a hobby, I bet definitely. His, I bet his neighbours loved him. I bet he oh, was yeah. like a real hero of the uh, of the neighbourhood. Spent a lot of money on mannequins that month. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the you could reuse bill. them. I don't know if they shatter. You can probably reuse them. In 1911, Colonel Lalance, who is an aviator of some regard, offered a prize. So basically, this is like an innovation prize. Crowdsourcing, really, in the uh, in the early 1900s. Yeah. Colonel Lalance offered a prize of 10,000 francs for a safety parachute for aviators which was double the prize than he'd offered the year before, which is for the, for the same kind of competition. Basically, this so this Colonel Lalance, who was like a noted aviator, um, had run this competition for three years, and he, he'd always stipulated, like, we need to find this particular parachute. It must weigh no more than 25 kilos. So our man, Reichelt, was like, wicked, this competition is on. Like, I've got this, guys, lads, I've got this. I've been Start wanging. Back, I've, everyone. I've, I've been wanneking. I've been wanneking. <laughs> <laughs> wanneking <laughs> the new one yeah I've been wanging mannequins out of my window for some time I've got this so I can... that's going to be the intro to the episode <laughs> for sure so he's like okay wicked so um, in 1911 uh, one of the local papers to where he was reported that he had personally jumped from a height of 8 to 10 metres which is not very high at all 8 to 10 metres for testing a parachute is not high. No, you wouldn't. N- no. Well, if you it was a, if it was a proper parachute like we have today, you wouldn't be able to deploy well, it yeah, quickly enough. Yeah, but even if you're in like a <clears throat> really reliable 
parachute suit. Like, that's not high. So apparently he'd been jumping from a height of 8 to 10 metres um, into a pile of straw, so thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but then apparently he also tried in another location from a height of 8 metres that resulted in a broken leg. So basically, Rochelle is just... He's moved on from lobbing mannequins out of windows to lobbing himself out of windows, sometimes into straw, sometimes onto the road. Right. He's not doing it very well. So Colonel Lelance had, he'd, had opened this competition and our man Reichel had been unsuccessfully applying for permission to conduct a test from the Eiffel Tower for over a year before he finally received authorization to prove his concept. Mm. So the Eiffel Tower jump... As you might expect, this is where it all goes wrong. <laughs> so, so basically, um, the police. So this was like quite a fair. It was a fairly formal setup, um, and the police had been um, consulted and had agreed to everything. Our man said he needed height, so the police were like, "Well, that's fine." On the uh, on the proviso that these cases, you're going to use dummies to test your suit. Mm. They'd given permission in Reichel's case only on the basis that he would be conducting dummy drops that under no circumstances would they have allowed him to proceed if they had known he would be making the jump himself. Oh, what an idiot. So on Sunday the 4th of February, 1912, uh, at 7am, he arrived at the tower by car with two friends. He was already wearing his parachute suit, which is apparently only a little more voluminous than ordinary clothing. Oh, my God. Which is not, like... It's not a good sign. <laughs> no. Not great. Uh, the suit did not restrict the wearer's movements when the parachute was packed, which I guess was the whole point. And Le Petit Parisien described the method of deploying the parachute as being as simple as extending the arms out to form a cross with the body. Once extended, the outfit resembled a sort of cloak fitted with a vast hood of silk. Mm. So the police had said, this is fine, assuming that he was using dummies, but he was not. He was the dummy. He was the dummy. Reichelt had said, I want to try the experiment myself and without trickery, as I intend to prove the worth of my invention. So this was all about his real dedication to proving the fact that what he had designed was the right thing to win the competition and to be deployed more generally. Anyway, as you can imagine, he plummets to his death. And this is another quote. You're going to see how my 72 kilos and my parachute will give your arguments the most decisive of denials. So ropes had been so we're back at the Eiffel, we're at the Eiffel Tower. Ropes had been suspended between the legs of the tower by the police at Reichel's request to prevent the crowds from spilling into the landing zone. And he spent some time discussing the arrangements with the marshals and ensuring that there was a sufficient space for his landing before going to the stairs to climb to the first platform. As he climbed the stairs, he paused, turned back to the crowd, raised his hand, and wished them a cheery abiento. His friends continued to try to talk him out of the jump. So basically all his friends were like, you're fucking crazy, don't do this, just mm. put a dummy down, don't worry about proving the, proving the suit, proving the efficacy of the suit. At 8.22am, observed by a crowd of about 30 journalists and curious onlookers, he readied himself, facing towards the Seine, on a stool placed on a restaurant table next to the interior guardrail of the tower's first deck, a little more than 57 metres or 187 feet above the ground. Which is pretty high, yeah. To be fair, mm. which Compared is more to than the eight, eight. meters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, after adjusting his apparatus with the assistance of his friends and checking the wind direction by throwing a piece of paper taken from a small book, he placed one foot on the guardrail, hesitated for about 40 seconds, then leapt outwards. Oh, God. According to Le Figaro, he was calm and smiling just before he jumped. His parachute, which had seemed to be only half open, folded around him almost immediately, and he plummeted for a few seconds before crashing into the frozen soil at the oh foot of God. the tower. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... Not great. <laughs> In short, not great. Um, Why didn't he test other heights other than 8 to 10? And then 57. And then, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, he was like... Level oh, of arrogance. This, yeah, so he was basically, the only reason my, invent- my invention isn't working is because I can't get high enough. So he just went super high. I think he, like, consulted anyone who might know about it. Mathematicians, presumably. No. Physicists. Physi- phys- physicists. Physicists. Mm, maybe not. I mean, he was, he had all, he was a man of cloth, but not in the religious sense. He was a tailor. <laughs> so he had all the faith in his, uh, in his materials and pretty cool picture. So just going to. Yeah. I mean, that. that's never going to carry you, is it? It's not a plane. They didn't know it back in those days. They didn't know. They didn't know a plane. Got a great moustache. They all did. Looks like a frilly jumper that I've got now. Don't jump off the Eiffel Tower. I'm definitely not doing that. I don't even like going up the Eiffel Tower, let alone jumping off. That's what she said. Franz Reichelt. So he he jumped off the Eiffel Tower to prove a point and he didn't prove it very well, if we're honest. No, he He didn't at all. Presumably no sales of that went through. Well, no one was around to make it, so... True. (laughs) It wouldn't have happened anyway. Anyway, silly, silly man. I mean, sorry, friends. Sorry, sorry, friends. sorry. I mean, you seem like a fine. You you seem fine, but you're all right. Just calm it down. Wind your neck in a little bit. Bit of a silly idea. Not the best. Els, right? Your story. This is quite a short story. That's fine. I was gonna do friends in this parachute coat, and I didn't because. I saw something that happened this week. Oh. This week. And it was quite um, interesting to me. Had a headline that pulled me in. And also, debut, near miss. Oh. Ooh, that was his first near miss. Mm-hmm. Love it. Exciting. So, yeah, this literally happened this week. Fuck. Or three weeks later three for weeks our listener. Yeah, this is something. So. Listener. <laughs> On Monday, just gone. Oh my god. 14th of February. Nope. <laughs> Christ. Mate, we're in May. Oh. Just my favourite day of the year, guys. <laughs> that is such a romantic. <laughs> okay. On Monday, the 14th of May, 2018, also my mate's birthday. Nice. Happy birthday. Should give her a shout out. Happy birthday, Fee. Happy Fee. birthday, Fee. Big ups. I hope, I hope you had a good one. We've, we've spoken about it. I okay, think. fine. Anyway. Sichuan Airlines flight 3U8633 took off from Chongjing, uh, bound for Lhasa, which is the capital of Tibet. Ever been? No. No, me neither. Um, the flight was piloted by Captain Lao Chuanjian. Normal day, normal flight. Scheduled, I reckon. People knew it was going to happen. So it took off. 
passengers had just been served breakfast and the aeroplane had just reached its cruising altitude of 32,000 feet. So for me, that's the point where you relax a little bit. Yeah, you chill, you chill. Take a deep breath. If you're on a long haul, pick your movie of choice. Mm. Yeah. Order yourself a gin. And tonic. Or a wine. Mm. You're relaxing, you're into it. You're like, I'm over the worst part. We all hate taking off. We've levelled out. I'm just going to enjoy it. However, suddenly there was an incredibly loud, not a bang, but just like a very deafening noise in the cockpit. Pressure in the cabin dropped and there was a sudden dip in temperature. So the passenger reported that the cabin began shaking and obviously the masks dropped down from above them. You would shit yourself I if the masks dropped. This. You yeah. would. If it started shaking, if you had a loud bang and then it started shaking, like, yeah, <clears throat> game over. Especially when you've just like felt like you've, you're kind of into it. So Captain Chuan Jian looked to see what had happened and discovered that the right windshield had shattered. It had just gone. There wasn't any warning. There didn't seem to be anything particularly that had happened. It had just cracked and everything in the co- cockpit was floating in the air. Captain Chuan Jian's co-pilot, Zhu Rushen, had obviously been sitting next to him. He'd been strapped in. And when the windshield cracked, he got sucked out of <gasps> oh my, oh my God. God. the windshield. This happened on Monday. Happened on I haven't Monday. read this. Fuck. So he was halfway out of the windshield. Jesus. But luckily, the fact that he was wearing a seatbelt... Oh, my God! ...meant that Captain Chuan Jian was able to pull him back <gasps> into the cockpit. So... I think from what I read that there was a period where the plane was kind of going not down but like not the way you want it to but luckily cap- the captain the pilot he managed to stabilize the plane and he made a an emergency landing um and so he landed it in uh, Chengdu, which is a southwest city. I'm not sure I, I don't know enough about the geography whether that is in is in China or in Tibet. I don't know. Mm. If it, probably in China, I guess, because they'd just taken off. Yeah. So he was able to make an emergency landing. Fuck. No one died. Oh, my God. That's incredible. The co-pilot came away with a broken wrist and a bit of a head injury, and I think one of the flight attendants also was, had a bit of a minor injury, but nothing more than that. So do you think, like, he kind of got... He was, if he hadn't had his seatbelt on, he would have been completely sucked out. I guess so, because I guess the kind of force of that would have been possibly more than than being able to pull him back in again. Um, But I saw some like video footage on, I think it was the Independent, not of the accident. It was there was a press conference with the captain who was kind of been hailed a bit of a hero, who was just very down to earth about it, and they went to see the co-pilot who was in hospital. And he was very, like, nonchalant about it, you know, Mm. just like, that's kind of, you know, my job and I'm okay. Um, But when I saw it, it really, it does chime with you because I'm not the most nervy of flyers, but I think everyone, it's not the most natural thing in the world, is it, even though we do it all the time. And um, I, I remember thinking the last time I was on a plane, like, imagine if the window just broke. 
Mm. But then you think, well, that's never going to happen. But actually, about a month ago, yeah, really yeah. sadly, so, someone did die. Right? Someone yeah. did die. She she was pulled out and they managed to get her back in, but she'd already kind of suffered bad enough head injuries that unfortunately she didn't survive that. And that was from a. So I couldn't. I, I possibly they do know what happened. I don't. I didn't see it when I was looking at this. Is what actually happened to make the wind chill mm. just crack like that? Obviously something, but you just wouldn't expect it because it's such thick glass as well. Mm. But with the other woman in the America, I think it was like Southeast Airlines or something like that, it was in America, that was an engine that exploded that caused that. And that was why she got sucked out, pulled back in again. But unfortunately, that was not, that did not end okay. But it is like a, yeah, you do think about it. like. Yeah, I always sit by a window because I think, it's one of the best places to be, but mm. since that, I've really questioned whether. I yeah, that's true. I prefer a window because I feel less claustrophobic. Yeah. but actually, if someone... I'm an aisle woman. Yeah, love it. Constant. You love your aisle. I, I pee constantly on planes. <laughs> just anywhere. Just for. In the aisle. Just for the freedom. Just for something to do. Actually, legitimately, yeah. on a long haul, I'm like, oh, I'll go toilet. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> what else am I gonna do? Might as well make do the most. Watch Magic Mike. Mm, probably. Actually, yeah. Um, I didn't. I've not seen that story mm. at all. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the news. Mm. But, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's mad. I know. How terrifying, though. God. Imagine being out of the plane for a small amount at thirty-two thousand feet. But so, like, in theory, if he'd have actually got sucked out, he mm. would have just like gone into the air and mm. then dropped to his death. I assume so. Yeah. But then, like. This is maybe it's a physics thing that I don't understand, but you know how you can people have gone into like beyond the stratosphere, like basically nearly gone into space and then jumped out of hot air balloons or whatever. So Henry Kittinger did it in like the seventies, eighties, nineties. I don't know. Is like famously he went up into space with no. You know, he wasn't in a craft, he was just in I mean, a balloon. It was the Red Bull thing. Yeah, yeah, and then recently the Red Bull yeah. thing. So I'm like, people can do that and they're just in, they're not in like a astronaut spacesuits or whatever. No. So I'm kind of like, well, they're going higher than planes. So why is it, is it just the gradual, is the problem the fact that you're going from a pressurised uh, aeroplane into the very, very low pressure situation of outside so therefore you're kind of like very violently hit against the window or wherever it is that you're going what like because object just being in that low pressure yeah i don't think survive, that so. yeah i don't necessarily think that would have killed them because she she like she got ripped so like she would have been ripped it's like that it's the and difference i thought that, that was them. how she died the woman that got ripped out the window she physically like cut her head open or whatever it wasn't because she suffocated no i think she hit yeah she hit her head she yeah right yeah so, so if, it's, if it's he'd more have got the, dragged the out he would have just died of, yeah yeah he wouldn't okay. have it wouldn't be like taking your mask off in space and yeah it's not the pressure not being able to breathe well, as far as the, i know yeah. yeah it's not the pressure alone it's the what, what the difference does yeah also, like, planes are going really fucking fast. Like, if you got, got like, if you open a car door on a motorway, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously yeah, yeah. you'd hit the ground, but also, like, the speed, and yeah. then you're just, like, doing something different. There's going to be, like, a plane is going incredibly fast in the sky, and then you're, like, out of it. So I guess there's something against something going forward and then being, like, out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, the force of being sucked out or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And horrific terrifying it does like yeah it does make you um it's funny isn't it because they always say about how 
there are so many flights every single day and the things that happen are very, very minor and very, very rare. Yeah. But then that story happening, what, six weeks after that woman got sucked yeah, out of yeah, a window? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just about being on a on a flight. My, my mate was coming back from Australia the other day and like put something on Facebook, so I assumed she was in some futuristic world of Wi-Fi on a plane. And was like, does anyone ever consider um, what, like, when you get up to go to the toilet, is that when, like, does anyone else get that fear in you that you're 32,000 feet above the ground? <laughs> all of a sudden. And I was like, not even just then, like, just if I'm just sitting yeah. there. And I remember my I remember my first ever flight, it was when I was 10 and I went to Italy and I was a bit scared. And I went with my dad, which is kind of unusual because when we were younger, as a family, we used to go to, like, France and then my parents divorced when I was nine or whatever and my mum was always the one that would take us on holiday more but actually my first flight to anywhere other than France was with my dad Mm -hmm. and I remember him saying to me just think of the sky as a road for the plane and that really helped me wow (laughs) it made me feel like a lot better so I sort of said that to her because I like commented on this um comment but I don't know whether it had the same effect on her as it did as me, <laughs> 10 still, year old. Still terrified. Still terrified, <laughs> yeah. I think she was in something quite horrific where like a plane did start to kind of take a bit of a nosedive but then settled out again so that's put a bit of a fear into her which is fair enough. Fair enough, mm. yeah. What's your worst plane experience? Probably just really bad turbulence. When we yeah. were away like it, over sort of Easter there was an internal flight that we took, I think, from Bangkok down to Krabi, and it was quite bad weather in Krabi, and there was pretty bad turbulence on that flight, and someone screamed at one point, which does oh, not God, help. A scream, a scream. Help. And it wasn't even that, but like it was quite bad turbulence, but it wasn't. But it was turbulence. Like, yeah. You kind of. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you've never really experienced it before, so I would, I, I'd, I can't think of a situation that's been like really awful, other than, uh when I first went away, actually, I went with my mate and she, I mean, this isn't like a terrifying thing for everybody, but I remember she got like a very bad pressure headache as we were landing. Oh, yeah, she got a really bad pressure headache and that was a bit worrying because she was just like, what is going on? I don't I don't know what's going on with me. And I was oh, like, shit, God. it's something mm. like, because, you know, that can happen. So I was like, bloody hell, is something going on? But I mean, then we landed and she was fine and it went away. So yeah, I think the worst I've ever had is just quite bad mm. turbulence. But you, Dale? Just turbulence as well, I think. But like, but just going, just going back to the the mind boggling thing of being when you get up to go to the loo and yeah. you suddenly you realise you're thirty two thousand feet. My mum, like, I have no, I have absolutely no problem with flying. Nothing about it. It makes my ears go shit. But apart from that, like, I can even handle turbulence. But my mum has like a real fear of it. And <laughs> a big thing as well is like, it's not just like. We're all, you know, hundreds of people up in a little tin can flying through 32,000 yeah. feet above the air. She's like, they're serving fucking drinks up there. That's the thing, though. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was thinking that when <laughs> when I went away last and I was just like, I'm just having my dinner in the sky. Yeah. I'm just yeah, watching. Like... I'm watching Victoria and Abdul in the sky. <laughs> What's going on? Is it Victoria and Abdul? Yeah. Don't yeah. Know. Not saying it, mate. Oh, God. I watched such a shit film on the way back from the States. Anyway. <laughs> that was my worst it wasn't experience it. watching a terrible film what's yours what's your worst experience um i've actually got two mm. both finland flights uh on the way back once really we're... not tempting us to no to i thought i wanted to go but so far i've had snakes and shit flights <laughs> yeah, yeah sorry about that um once when me and my brother were coming back from finland we dropped 
like quite considerably. Like oh, Christ. I'm quite fine with turbulence. I quite like enjoy turbulence, mm. just makes it a bit more interesting. Lively. <laughs> Lively. Um but we dropped quite considerably, like you know when you go over a hump on a road and you yeah. get that flip? Yeah. That happened, but we continued to drop. Oh god. So that's it must horrible. have been like thirty to forty foot that we dropped. It was quite bad. Yeah. And we still remember it now, so obviously it was quite bad. Mm. So that was that was probably the worst thing that happened. But then on a flight on my own to Finland a couple of years ago, I was sat in the middle and we had to circle. Like, we couldn't land because it was really bad snow. circling. <clears throat> Which was, yeah, it's just not fun, especially when you're like, I want to get there by a certain time. And, like, my dad was picking me up at the uh, airport or whatever. Stressful. So I was sat in the middle and had these two guys next to me. The guy to my left, who was in the aisle was really really anxious and like really wasn't a very good flyer Mm. and started panicking like visibly panicking like rocking back and forth really wasn't happy about it it was obviously like a really nervous flyer and the guy on my right was a fucking joker (laughs) and was like oh i hope they've got enough fuel hope we're gonna land making the guy on my left like get worse and it was like a weird battle between the two of them and i was kind of like trying to shut up the fucking guy on my right to be like this is not the best time to try out your stand-up yeah, routine boots, mate. and to the guy on the left I was like it's fine like they know like circling is completely normal it happens all the time I was like do you want to read my glamour magazine <laughs> you're alright you're alright and eventually I had to call over the air hostess and I was like I think you need to put him in first class I think he just needs to be a bit comfortable because he's yeah. having a terrible time yeah. and the guy was like the guy on my right is just like unbelievably taking the mick not taking the mick out of the guy but like taking the yeah, mick out yeah. of the situation and maybe that was his own coping mechanism fine yeah. but it was horrific it was horrific <laughs> because obviously I don't really like circling so, yeah. but then it was just like seeing the guy visibly break down in front of me was like oh god get us off this place <laughs> yeah and I was like oh fine oh mate but yeah, I've got I've got more scared of flying since I've got older. I just think I've just taken less flights. Mm. I think a lot I think a lot of people do. I think it's just more of like a sort of realization of your own mortality or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's a book, I can't remember what it's called. It's called Skyfaring, I think. It's written by someone who was a pilot oh. and so they talk all about oh. the kind of mechanics of it all. So if you are frightened of flying, it's supposed to be quite a good thing to oh, read because yeah, yeah. it kind of it puts things into perspective and it makes you realise I think I've heard about this actually. Yeah, I I haven't I've not read it. I would like to read it, but yeah, I think it's it's a good one to sort of calm your nerves in terms of just like this is what we do every day. This is the but way then that it works. What if something comes up that you've read in the book that is a warning sign, and you're like, fuck? Like, would you rather not know, or would you rather know? Because everyone, you cheat yourself about turbulence, but it's always going to be fine. Yeah, I always think I'd rather not know because if I know about things that can go wrong, then I will become quite anxious about them. Yeah. I think for me, we've had this conversation about like childbirth before because you always say, I would like to know everything. Mm, I want to know all the shit that can happen. And I think like if I was to ever have kids, I would not want to know anything because otherwise I'll just fixate on it and panic about it. Yeah, just Whereas if do. something's happening, I can just deal with it while it's happening. And actually when something goes wrong and it's happening in the moment, I'm relatively okay but if I know about something I'll make it bigger in my head than it is yeah yeah so I would say the same with uh flying (laughs) those two are exactly the same same situation yeah um shall we move on to girl crushes yeah boy oh actually it's me isn't it though mine this week is Angela Sarney who's that she is a British science journalist Mm. and she's written the book Inferior Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've had for a while and I'm only kind of halfway through because it's a real life book, not like a 
Not Twitter. Not one of the fake books. I have this thing where I don't know what fiction and non-fiction is. Oh. It's a non-fiction book. So non-fiction. it's a non-fiction book. Fiction yeah. is fake. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a non-fiction book. So my non-fiction books take me like four times as long yeah, to read. Yeah, um, So I've got this like on my nightstand halfway through. Mm. But it's basically um, about women in science and how they've always been overlooked. And like even though mm. there's... Well, there's not that many, but there's a couple of um, notary like women in science. But there's been women that have been like erased out of history. How actually there's a lot of women that have attributed to a lot of the kind of big findings and the fundamental decisions that were made. Um, and it's just really, really interesting. And she's got, you know, a lot of people are reading it. I, th- I think it's, it's a really, really fascinating book. I obviously haven't found, got to the end of it, but she's really championing for more British women in STEM, more British women Mm. in kind of engineering and things like that. And I just think it's really important. I will finish the book. Um, And yeah, it's just really, really good. I really like it. And there's this um, excerpt from Darwin's Origin of the Species where he is like, yeah, women are lesser creatures than men. Yeah, he was a real dick. Yeah, yeah. But that that was just the norm. Like that was what people thought, that women Mm. were worse than men that they were weaker that they were feeble you know everything like that and there's obviously differences between men and women what yeah i don't know don't know if you know that but um you can't you can't ever say that a man's going to be more intelligent than a woman um but yeah i really recommend the book Uh, i've got a very nice millennial pink version the other ones are a bit more um i don't know bland because i like pink um okay so but my girl crush is Jamila Jamil. Oh, yeah. And for, for a very specific reason. So for a while, she was like a, t- a T4 presenter um, who was sort of quite funny, quite beautiful. I didn't really have any opinion on her whatsoever. Mm. Um, she was just kind of sort of leggy and beautiful and fine. She's very beautiful. Great hair. And incredible, incredibly beautiful. Mm. Um, and then she was in The Good Place, which you still should watch if you haven't watched oh, it yet. Oh, you yes. should, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, she is. She's we were talking about it on Saturday, because started, I started watching oh. it on Friday. Yeah. And I was saying that at first I, I wasn't sure about Jamila Jamil's character, but actually she kills it. She's so good. She's yeah. really funny. Yeah, yes, exactly. So it's one of those things where, I mean, Good Place anyway is like a, a sort of a weirdly complex thing. And it's on the surface, it's quite hard to crack into. And I think her character in particular is a bit sort of weird and it's not immediately obvious anyway the point is I was always like she's fine she's quite funny don't really have an opinion and then she was in the good place and I was like oh she's really really she's excellent actually Mm. like really really good yeah um and what has happened recently is like a very specific interaction about Kim Kardashian I've seen this yeah yeah and so Kim Kardashian I think is legitimately complex and we could do several podcast episodes about yeah. her okay because I don't I don't hate on Kim Kardashian at all I think like you should just let women do whatever they want to do yeah I feminism is about women not being boxed but yeah exactly she's... so like I have I'm not I'm not absolutely no specific shade to Kim Kardashian um in generally what she does with her life like this that's not the point that I'm making now but Kim Kardashian this week um was doing a sponsored ad on Instagram where it was for a flat tummy co appetite suppressant lollipop mm. which yeah. is fucking bullshit oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely bullshit fucking bullshit like literally the most kind of 
Oh, damaging, really, 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 really fucking awful message yeah. you could ever get. Because it's one thing for like Kim Kardashian's body is objectively perfect, and so the more that it is plastered across all of our media, the more um, girls and women who don't have that body might feel like they are imperfect. That is one thing. Kim can't really do, you know, anything about what her body looks like. She's got a perfect body, so fucking what? She can do something about the products that she supports. Yeah. And also, um, she's, she doesn't have a job, let's put it that way, as in, like, she's got time to spend. She works on her body oh God, because yeah. it's yeah, yeah. her that's business. That's why it looks like, so good. Yeah, that's yeah. why her body is so good. Yeah. She might use an appetite suppressant fine, but she's also probably got four private chefs, yeah, four yeah, personal yeah, trainers yeah, yeah, yeah. to get her to where she is. Yeah. Her doing this is such an unrealistic thing to put upon yeah. normal people that don't have millions so it's and really, millions yeah, of pounds. It's really, 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 really problematic. And Jamila Jamil called her the fuck out. And she did, like, that's that's maybe risky for Jamila Jamil because she's, like, she's on her first venture into Hollywood doing, like, um, all the Good Place stuff. You know, mm. this is, like, a, I think it's, it's not HBO, but it's, like, NBC. Yeah, it's NBC. It's, like, a big uh, American Hollywood network. And... Jamila Jamil's response was, no, fuck off, no. You terrible and toxic influence on young girls. I admire their mother's branding capabilities. She's talking about Kris Jenner. She's an exploitative but innovative genius. However, this family makes me feel actual despair over what women are reduced to. And I really fucking respect that. I had, you know, I I like Jamila Jamil anyway. I'm not, Mm. like, obsessed. I don't, you know, don't fangirl over her necessarily. But for her to take that strong a stance... I really respect. So yeah. she's my she's my girl crush this week. Have you seen the the Instagram that she started called I Way? No. So that that I think stemmed from a, a picture of the Kardashians as well, where they all had like their KG weights on it, Oof. and KG 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 weights on it, and like what they weigh, and like people were like, oh, could you believe that Kim is a sixty four or something? And Jamila Jamil was like, fuck off. I weigh a good family. I weigh the love of my boyfriend. Mm. I weigh you know a desire to you know, excel in my career. Like, I am not the definition of my weight. The sum of my parts isn't, you know, what I weigh. And mm. it's just really interesting. And people have been doing it too. So, like, she gets people to do it. Mm-hmm. And, like, pick a, a, a full-body selfie, like, mm. in their clothes, obviously. And then it's just, like, all the good things that are going on in their life, which yeah, is really nice, nice and really positive. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I saw loads of people sharing that yesterday when Jamelia yeah. shared it. And, it's, it's yeah, I just, I really respect her taking that stance because... Mm. Yeah, it is. It it is really dangerous. Like you think about oh, awful. how how much. Even now, you feel pressure now, and we have the kind of we've got some life experience. We're a bit older, but you still mm. feel a bit of that pressure to kind of look yeah, of a certain way. Yeah. And particularly for younger girls, I think you don't really start to think about it until you're a bit older. Like yeah. how much how much your own opinion of you rests on the way you look I think Mm -hmm. it like I was older than you would think before I was like oh hang on a minute that doesn't actually matter that much Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's not worse now because it's all relative but like with social media it just doesn't help no doesn't help like people's feelings of insecurities or comparison or whatever like it's a dangerous territory yeah I mean I used to compare myself a lot with just like friends at school let alone with yeah like if you've been being bombarded with pictures of perfect people all the time yeah it's hard uh, mine is a bit more straightforward than that. Mine's just um, a cookbook that I bought. So mine is Mira Soda because uh-huh. I bought her cookbook um, this week, and I've not bought, I've not yet cooked anything from it, but I want to cook 
everything from it. So it's fresh India, so it's like a vegetarian cookbook and um, all the recipes are from various regions in India and it all looks delicious. And she she's a writer for The Guardian. She writes recipes for The Guardian as well as her own books, etc. Um, and I've made a few things and her Masaman curry from The Guardian is mm. the goddamn most delicious thing I've I've ever made like I've obviously when are we coming around for it yeah Girls. exactly yeah guys come around I'll cook you something from I can cook you that or I can cook you something from the cookbook card carrying herbivores and carnivores unite alike yeah. all welcome I'll, I'll tear my carnivore card up <laughs> you might night. have to B-Y-O-M set, set fire to it bring B-Y-O-M, B-Y-O-M. <laughs> just bring a raw steak to chew on um, yeah so I just it's like a really beautiful book like it looks really beautiful and everything looks delicious and she's a very talented cook so oh, I'm nice. just just enjoying that and I'm looking forward to making all the things and you guys come around and I'll cook it for you love it I'm in so yeah come around now right now yeah Maybe. I've not been shopping yet, though. Okay, fine. It might be shut. So maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Okay. That's fun. Cool. Okay. Well, that was episode nine. That was fun. Next week. Next week. Dun, da, 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 bum, bum, we, we are, are branching out and having a little theme. Theme to celebrate our double digit episode. Yes. Do you remember when you were 10? The big double one, digit. Yeah. The big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I'll tell you about my sixth birthday party. Oh, sixth, yeah. Sixth birthday party. Um, it was just straight up fancy dress um, and my sister came as Edward Scissorhands Aww. so my sister would have been like 8 8 year old Edward the... Scissorhands yeah just the whole thing amazing very cute slash scary for 6 year olds yeah mm. I imagine yeah. so oh, gothy as fuck <laughs> I was Alice in Wonderland again and, um, Johnny Depp theme <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, the boy I fancied most at the time was uh, Robin not even Batman. <laughs> I don't know who was Batman. He was six. That's an early mm. age to love a boy, isn't yeah, it? No, of course you love. You have Yeah, you have little you crushes boys. when you're in primary yeah. school. Did you no, not? I went in primary school. Didn't you? Yeah, a little boyfriend. Not a six. I never had a little boyfriend just because <clears throat> I was always overlooked. <laughs> oh, love. But I did have crushes. <laughs> I didn't have a boyfriend at primary school. I had a boyfriend at the end of primary school. Like, I'm not talking like actual boyfriend. Like I'm just talking like, you know, when you yeah. have but I know, boyfriends. But everyone and... wants to go out with my friends. Someone wants to go out with me. I regret it now, though, don't I? That's they? why yeah. you've got your yeah, excellent you've got your own personality. podcast. You've, that's how, you develop the good the good. <laughs> that's why I've got a personality. That's, yeah. My mum used to say that to me, though. Make them laugh. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no. No, episode 10, though, mm, yeah. is oh. uh, Celebrities, What a Way to Go. Yeah. Um, and we're getting a private secret adjudicator to make sure that we're not doing the same we've story. Got, we've got a, uh, an S, a Stephen, a Stephen Popejoy. Claire's that's husband. Claire's husband. husband. Claire's husband. That's helping She's us doing, out. He's, he's doing it. He's doing it for us. But um, it's exciting. Uh, first theme. First intentional theme. Yeah, we've weirdly done it already a couple of times but yeah. this one is very much I'm looking forward to it actually me too man yeah but yeah we'll, so we'll, we'll see, see you in episode 10 episode 10 if you want to tweet us to Instagram us we're on those platforms at whatawaypod no Facebook Facebook's dying no, Facebook Facebook unless you've got money dicks no, to put behind <laughs> every post you ain't there's no point doing Facebook no. We won't be on Facebook, lads. No. There's anything else you want us on? We'll be on the next thing. We'll be on... What's, what are kids doing? I went on Snapchat. Do you know what it is? And I want to start doing this in our group chat. 
WhatsApp voice memos. Oh, yeah, my friend Emma mm. does this to me. That's what she does. Can we start doing it, please? Yeah. Sure, Fine. yeah. I've okay, never so really we'll done that. We'll see one you on, on WhatsApp voice memos. Maybe we could start a, like a, what a way to go, chat. People can join our WhatsApp chat. Yeah. You'd need to get like a phone. I mean, we've all got f- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grandma. <laughs> what are you up to? You need some kind of a Can you do that on the dial up? <laughs> Anyway, we'll see you in episode 10. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you for listening. We love you. And see you later. See you soon. Bye. 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 We'll be right back.